0: I can't hear anything from, oh there we go yeah there was no timer at all for that you need, oh. to have a scene. you need to have a scene that plays what the audio even if we have to turn it into a video and switches to show that text so make a note and now it's really boring but opening with the administrivia of running the podcast is actually not a terribly bad idea Probably more interesting to, I mean, when we get an audience to actually have uh, like maybe the second or maybe the final X amount of time for the last segment be talking about the mechanics of the stream. Strangely, um, that's something I really like listening to. Like, I don't know if everybody wants to start their own podcast. It's hard to tell because there's no real... The world being the way it is... It's hard to know what other people are up to. You end up just seeing the things that have kind of floated to the surface of everybody's collective attention, and often this is amplified by some sort of popularity thing or some ex- like people call. I'm just air quotes here, hoping you can you can hear the semi sarcasm in my voice. Influencers. Um, there's there's the idea that you would be boosted. That attention will be boosted to you through some sort of other person who's already somehow achieved uh, attention. And there's no, but there's no real way to understand a particular audience's interest in the actual mechanics of the thing that they're listening to. So, uh, with enough people, then it's inevitable that some people are going to be highly interested in. Any particular thing that you talk about. And so talking about the mechanics of an actual podcast might be really fascinating for other people. Um, Maybe it will inspire the next person over to start their own podcast. Even though we're different people and I'm just rambling on. Like us and some other arrangement for some other podcast is going to be quite different they may still find it highly useful to understand the road that we, well, are now traveling down. Plus, I maintain it's quite fascinating for people who are um, like archivists who will go back and binge everything for them to see things growing up. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, the notion of um, how... I, I find there's a kind of uh, spiritual connection between me and a particular content creator when I can go back in time, like I'll watch for like a week and I'll be really interested in everything that's coming out and I'll watch some of the older some of the recommended things that kind of pop out and then at some point they decide okay look I'm just going to do everything I'm going to go back in time and I sort by old I sort by oldest Watch everything this person's ever made. Everything. And I've done that. I've done that with some extremely weighty stuff. I've done that with, with people that put out half-hour things, people that put out rambly, multi-person, podcasty things. And as long as it's convenient for me to do that... You're, okay, so pe- people understand. I'm talking about YouTube because I don't really do the podcast world. Maybe, maybe I should. That'd be a good way to draw from topics to talk about. Um, but I'm talking about uh, YouTube and some of the. Let's say I've been interested in channels when they were medium size and I've gone back and looked at all their stuff. And by the time I catch up, they're like large size, which is really weird. So I'll start with somebody That's, that's <laughs> medium. Okay, air quotes. I think about only 200,000 subscribers. How many of those are bots and how many of those are participants? You'll look at a video and you'll see 200,000 subscribers. Then you'll see um, maybe 2,000 comments. It's something like 200,000 um, uh, subscribers, then 20,000 votes, and then 2,000 comments. It seems to be a ratio. And I've been looking for that to see if that's actually true or not. And that is, it's remarkably consistent. And it seems to depend on how a person was boosted and how uh, polarized the either the creator or the content is. If something's polarized, it might mean that there's way more comments and it way, may mean that there are way more votes. There, there will be something a little fishy there um sometimes it's because there's dog piling and they like hey guys let's be virtuous today and go downvote this person because i read the title <laughs> something dumb like that and so people form their little little gangs or maybe they use bots or whatever the heck however things work but i've i've started at the level of a, a moderate success like i can judge it enough that i want to go back and by the time i've caught up like I've started with channels that have been 200,000, they come back and they're 800,000. It's just an unbelievable amount of, I guess you'd call it success. But I do get to see them transform. Unfortunately, I do get to see them quote unquote sell out. Like there's a specific shaping of things at some critical point. And you might think with enough of with enough attention, everybody will be corrupted into... Um, riding that into like surfing this new possibility because there's a big difference from just you might say scraping by to taking advantage of opportunities. and it it sounds really weird, but me personally i've I've never liked seeing the transition, the corruption of something that is scraping by into something that is manicured, that is managed for a uh, a larger, slicker kind of environment i I don't like that, and a lot of people will say, uh, Well, I liked that band when they were indie, and as soon as they got a new label, as soon as they got the these new influences as soon as they got popular, they became just like everybody else. I mean, it's still good, but maybe it's only good because that particular fan was a fan from back in the olden days. So I could say something like, um, this is a, I guess this is a little inappropriate, but so I I listened to Early Gray Days, which is a band that was uh that was polished, it was dusted off like it was you get one of those wire brushes on something that's really, really old and dirty, and you just wire brush that thing and you give it a, a good cleaning, and then it came out as Lincoln Park which a lot of people will know that name. And then as that band, and the thing is the songs that existed in their very first album existed before that, right? They were not invented. They were not new for that first album, at least a couple of very key songs. And if you listen to the, it's like a before and after and the after is really good. That's what made the band successful. Um, but, the, but there might be something really authentic, really raw to the, to the before that's absent from the after. And I've been able to see this with YouTube, well, pre-influencer YouTubers, let's say. And so it's always fascinated me to, to be able to go back and binge and follow them as they are slowly corrupted. But, you know, as they find their success, as they change, and not very many people will talk about things as they happen, it it might be some, some little reminiscing that happens like, oh, well, back in the day when I only had this much money in my pocket, and I was starting a business, and they're telling stories, but they're never telling them real time. So I kind of like the idea. And maybe it's inappropriate to open with it because it might not be fascinating but i like the idea of um us talking about the mechanics of what's going on with the podcast partly because we're never going to run out of content to talk about the actual podcast is live at that moment so it is a thing to talk about because technically speaking if you have an endeavor and the endeavor is regular, so so it's predictable, right? You can plan for it because it's coming up. Um, because it's a predictable thing, it's something that is worthy of improvement. And because it's worthy of improvement, those thoughts of improvement, even if you're not quite able to act on things, those thoughts are topics to speak about. So for example, we could talk about some of the things that Have been on our mind lately with regards to progressing this podcast. So, for example, um, Minion, you talked about the other day of a guy you met who went back and already binged everything that we've created so far, which is like 13 episodes or something like that, right? (laughs) Which is a little awkward. (laughs) And it's not necessarily somebody who I'm is even in the stream right some, now. But I don't think gets 13. Is it? Because it was 11 last time you counted. And I think that was two I count shows ago. counted all the videos, but not the ones we've uploaded. Uh, oh, okay. So because there were some practice ones that we did that I went back and listened to chunks of it and went, well, this is probably going to ruin my career as prime minister or whatever the heck. Because you know, I said something, uh, I because <laughs> I spoke the truth can't do that as a politician. That would be terrible. If they discover that you said something true twenty years ago, thirty years ago, whoa, you'll uh, you'll lose your job. That that would be terrible. Um, even though it's like old me from from twenty years ago ain't nothing like current me. Like I was a bright fourteen year old. But, uh, you know, you, you have potential when you're young and you might say, okay, when, when you're 18 years and one day for the hangover, you're, you're an adult. You should have already been prepared as an adult and be able to go out and do adult things, like not get married, but have a solid relationship that isn't busted. You shouldn't be rediscovering the same mistakes as your parents made, for example. And which is already the problem. Did you get two of those? So it's not like you had a great start at 18 years in one day for the hangover, but uh, you're still kind of, it's forgivable if you say or do something dumb, but at some point, at some point there's a difference between the innocence and ignorance of the youth and somehow solidifying into an adult. And, it's this weird notion where it might be okay like between 18 years and one day for the hangover and 25 or some arbitrary number you might say out of university in a career a couple years later like something like that but we don't know like for some reason we say think we have ideas like baby and toddler and child and teen and young we have these ideas young adult etc but we don't understand the difference and it's because it's extended we don't know the difference between 18 years and one day granting various legal rights because it's going to be different for drinking smoking cigarettes for driving for voting we don't know like those are different in different places on earth because we're in different cultures and you you either make the decision to judge other cultures properly and and say well having um having consent for sex be 16 is wrong because of these reasons you you better be able to point a particular country and province within it and say that's wrong and then make sure you can make that judgment and point at some other thing about some other country some other culture and go that's wrong because if you if you start going well I'm going to make a special exception to this thing over here, where, where that culture in that country, where it's okay for them to get married at 16, it's just a thing. And then point to some other country and go, well, that's bad because you, know, you have to be consistent about that kind of thing. At any rate, I just veered off into something random there. Um, so I was. Wow, terrain myself way way all the way back to the archivistic binging of people. So we went from that to counting the number of episodes and then some episodes, quote unquote episodes. So there's some rambly stuff that we didn't that we recorded because we were testing, which we should probably just delete so that you know, so we clean clean things up because theoretically, we started when we started streaming which is different than us have being in the kitchen and, and just chatting about stuff, which is still an, actually, well, we don't have the ability to, to do that. Cause like a kitchen is for kitcheny things, it's not for a podcast, even though I love standing in a kitchen and chatting, it's, it's like going to, I wouldn't say a pub. It's like going to one of these cafes when cafe. Like a donut shop. Okay, so I'm Canadian. So you go to a donut shop with your friends. And it's one of these where you've got like some other people there, but like they're on the other side of the place. And the place is kind of big. So you can have your groups of conversations and it's not a buzz of noise like it's in a pub. Now, it's different cultures and stuff. So in in Canada, when we at least used to, back when we had the real world, um, me and friends when we were young would would have conversations. And it would be at some, it's not a public place per se, it's a business. And there happens to be, in one case, it was really good uh, rice pudding, but uh, it, the donuts and coffee or whatever the heck people are up to. And you, back then, we'd have friends who were smokers, so we could step outside and they could, they could learn which way upwind and downwind is, and they could tr- not blow smoke in our face and all the, the mechanics of being real people in the real world. And there's a different experience of conversation in certain other environments. And I don't know that very many people, very many, let's call it, all, let's be old man ranting. Okay. So I don't think very many people younger than me have experienced life, in, people in my culture, let's say, or that reasonably compatible cultures. I don't think people younger than me have experienced life. And conversation in the ways that, let's say, I was blessed to experience. So there is like coffee shop conversation, is one of the things that has brought organizations and ideas up to political movements, even. Like those are the fascinating, complicated conversations. And it's a different experience having that than scheduling. a a stream with multiple participants there's a different experience to be had there and it's not just the fact that you have like like full quality real reality resolution being actual physical people in the real world like that that actually matters in the most subtle ways and a lot of people can't understand that um there there's that because there's layers of communication there but there's there's something else there's there's more to coffee shop conversation than streaming conversation and somewhere in there is kitchen conversation where for me literally standing in a kitchen maybe i'm cooking and maybe i'm doing something else i snack a lot that might explain my dad bod and being in that environment and acting kind of like that, that way is a very different kind of conversation. And the problem is if you were to do that, then, then other people, um, other people are going to want to use the kitchen and popping in there's, for example, there's the moment of embarrassment and this may not matter to some people. But it depends on the the person and depends on the sensitivity of the conversation, let's say. And it's weird because you might be able to talk with your dearest friends fairly openly about complicated things. And let's say you're talking about it and you're not being particularly political about it. So we would say something like, (laughs) Your Hey, Mister, how are you doing? If you got any questions or comments about life. Let me know, and i'll I'll ramble about that instead. Um, so in quote unquote public conversation and coffee shop conversation, um, there you may still hold on to politi- politically correct speech because it's sort of public, but it really depends on the person and your bravery and such. but there's something more intimate about chatting in your kitchen when, like a family member walks in and that family member might not participate, but you may be talking about something deep and complicated and even something that you've not, never really thought about very well. So you're kind of negotiating through ideas. And so some of it's going to be agitating, abrasive, or just wrong. And some people are sensitive to that experience. And if, some, if it's a family member in that case, but if they're an outsider to that, you may not want to risk offending them or even exposing them to certain stuff. Like if it's your kid walking in and you're having the adult conversation with your partner, with your spouse, then that exposure, you may not want that because you're talking about like, <laughs> you're, you're talking about the pain of having had, um, Of having had a miscarriage, and your kid walks in. That's that's you. You wouldn't want to do that. You wouldn't want to risk that. And so that kitchen conversation is going to absolutely be tainted by that fear, that possibility, whatever the heck. Or just somebody walking past the hallway. Somebody else echoing in the house. So streaming has a certain kind of conversational framework that's different from kitchen. And it's different from coffee shop. And the problem is there might be coffee shop culture and you might have a neighborhood and you might have regulars. And if if those circumstances are good and the co- coffee shop is appropriate for conversation, like that's the place you and you the, the neighborhood goes. The people that like to talk, who like to talk in coffee shops, go to that coffee shop. And you're strangers maybe to the next group over the next group right? And, but the place isn't so crowded and you recognize everybody well enough. You might actually be able to hold a fairly political, let's call it a politically abrasive um, conversation and not necessarily care because everybody's doing that. That's the place for it. And you have a fairly close culture, even though you're not acquainted. So there's a, and that that environment may not exist. If it's a ca- coffee shop, if you're a university student and it's a coffee shop on cam- uh, campus or something like that, um, good luck having a really complicated conversation because you're going to have people who are not part of your neighborhood culture. They might be young. They might be from your country, but maybe not. And if that might be an okay place to have conversation and that university might be appropriate but that's too much of a variety for you to feel safe having a certain challenging, you know, just like good luck talking about a, the miscarriage is a really deep talk topic, right? And that's just not talked about, but imagine somebody who's 18 years old talking about that. Um, that's, a certain kind of coffee shops not that's not going to get brought up because that's all manner of awkward really awkward even though that's kind of the kind of conversation that really close acquaintances um should be free to have that's just not the right place for it so the question is well if they can't find the right right place for it uh, maybe streaming really is the only way to talk about these kinds of things And then the problem becomes as soon as you use an electronic medium this is not wholly true i'll get into that Uh, as soon as you use an electronic medium permanence is a threat and if permanence is a threat and people fail to understand that people change over time because they play pretend like adults are fixed in stone which is incredibly insulting um and then they'll say, "Well, in twenty years, you go back. You're the exact same person, and you said this stuff twenty years ago. Therefore, you are X," which makes no sense. And people know it makes no sense. So if I was if I was uh, um, young and I was going past, going through the permanent records of an adult who said something twenty years ago, and I the thing is. And I'm playing pretend like that person hasn't changed, but I'm using that information to make change in the world as though adults change. It's the strangest bit of of mental gymnastics for people to to use the argument that a person is unchanging while simultaneously becoming armed by past content to force other people to change. It's like, what? what? Um, and I do want to talk about the the permanent record of electronic conversation. Because um, that's not true. Uh, everybody's got a recording device on them these days. If you've got a phone, you may not even have the ability to turn your phone off. And so technically speaking, there is always the threat of permanence of coffee shop conversation, let's say. And who's to say that that the next device over isn't recording somebody else's conversation and it just happens to pick you up as well. This is a there's a lot of stuff that gets dredged up for politicians, for example, they might be at a party like when they were a kid, and it may or may not matter depending on the person. So yeah, it's, again, we're Canadian, so there's there's some awkward pictures of our current prime minister. So this is Prime Minister Trudeau. Um and he he is part of uh a lineage of kings for uh, Canadian politics and his he was born from his daddy's name, who was a a a very visible politician, so that's he had no qualifications. He got elected based on the name and he has nice hair uh, that's about it and uh and he can follow his the speeches that he was told to speak, so he got elected because. Canada have a bunch of wimps, and we're not politically active, so it's a problem. But him being in that position and being generally unqualified, and damaging our country in from all kinds of ways, pissed a lot of people off. So what they did is they went look like political opponents will go looking up their their other their rival parties, dredging up dirt. That's a thing. That's probably a thing everywhere. It's kind of a thing in Canada. I know it's an aggressive, horrifying thing in the United States, which unfortunately poisons Canada. I really don't care. I mean, I care. I can't, as usual. I care. Is everything okay down there? If you need to be refugees, we we can't really use those words. But if you want to come up here, I got a couch. It's just I've I've offered a couple of American friends that Um, maybe I should be making good on that offer these days at any rate so the the entire dredging up the past is a thing and our current prime minister has openly done actual for realsies blackface which you think is a bad thing but nobody cares it it makes no sense it's the you know the damage control for that wasn't even particularly necessary and part of that is that's Maybe if that happened in the United States, people would care. In Canada, it's like, well, that's awkward. (laughs) It's real awkward. But the thing is that was from when he was younger and excuses, parties and stuff like that. and, And people, even as adults, will change. And we have to hope, we have to assume that they'll change. Otherwise, how could you rely on somebody if they don't learn from their mistakes, if they don't improve, if they don't inspire, this kind of stuff. Um, So that that was my rambly bit about following a podcast and learning how they do things and how they change over time. So that's why I actually do like talking about the kind of thing, because it actually reinforces my own drive to improve what we're doing right now um so what have we been doing so far i think uh minion i asked you to open up an itunes account did you do that no you did not not. okay you didn't did you write it down to do that i did did i look at the list at some point i did not you okay so um the notion So, I have the idea of momentum, which is you have something that you admit to yourself in private, in secret, that you want to do. Like maybe you're not brave enough to tell the rest of the world. But in this particular case, for the podcast, you kind of are telling a lot of people. You're at least telling one person. And so there is a kind of commitment that you have to make. And there's really, there's really, I would say that there's only one thing that really matters for human to in life in terms of you, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. So I'll just say, okay. And the one thing that matters in life is that you be good for your word. And what's weird about this concept is it doesn't actually apply to all cultures. It's, it's a very, like, I want you to remember that that's, that's this notion this notion of honor over your word, it's, it's very specific to the people who have English as their first language. And things get weird as soon as you go somewhere else. So in our particular culture, so I'm biasing it very specifically, if all you have in life is being good for your word, that's actually going to get you way further than you realize. So if you, you can be stupid right you can be stupid and you can be lazy but if you have consistency and are good on our, on your word then that's good enough people can rely on you and people if a person can rely on you even if you are slow even if you are right then at, le- at least you will incrementally improve you will you will incrementally achieve so in this particular case your failure is you wrote it down but uh, you lack the, the consistency, the honor of uh, actually following up regularly and having that as a task on your to-do list. Because it's not particularly hard. It can probably be done in one sitting. So you could write it down on a to-do list. And then my notion was at – so our, our show is 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern. And so if you set your, I, I would say set an alarm clock, just a little gentle ping, because this isn't, um, this isn't a hard obligation per se, but somewhere during regular show times every day, you should have 15 minutes allocated for every, every project that you might be interested in would have that kind of consistency and it would have to be on a regular schedule as a kind of soft obligation. Theoretically speaking, if it's just you by yourself uh, and you're not really admitting to yourself that something matters, then you can just like ignore it. You can ignore yourself anytime you want. You don't have to be a a tyrant over yourself, which is why if you build lots and lots of lists of stuff to do, which I've done, um, you will end up being tyrannical over like your past self builds lists and your current self has to deal with those lists. So it's like your past self is being a complete jerk to your current self. So this is why if you have notes of stuff to do, don't write down the stuff that's obvious. Don't write down the, the hurdles past the one thing that you need to do. And some people have vision statements. They'll, they'll put that up on a wall or something like that just to remind them of what the end goal is. And sometimes that's an actual, uh, it's called a victory condition. So what might happen is you might say, well, my goal is you know what, uh, my goal for drawing is to actually have a physical piece of mine hung in a gallery. And, and that's it. What kind of gallery? Maybe you don't know when you're just starting to sketch, like you don't know how, what galleries are, how they work. It's just, it's gotta be somehow hung physical for a price, let's say. and that. That could be a vision statement, but trying to detail all the steps to get up there is just going to be an oppressive thing. You don't, you don't need to do that. So same thing with a a podcast requirements. You could just write down the one thing and then not explain what it's for. You just know, I need an iTunes account. I'm not really sure what for, I don't even know how you're not writing down the steps to learn how you're just going, Oh, and then at, at a scheduled time, which for us should be every day because we do this twice a week. So setting a goal like that every day is actually quite important. Um, If every day you spend just 15 minutes, just 15 minutes. And if a thing takes longer than 15 minutes, feel free to just go "Eh, I'm done and just stop. Some people have momentum because they're like that where if they start something, it's not that they're, that they feel compulsion to finish something. It's that uh, when they're swept up into the, into the moment of a thing that it's interesting. So they just continue it. I've done that before, and some people do that before and they kind of forget about sleeping, which which is part of the night owl problem. And some people forget about eating, <laughs> which is really bad. So you get sometimes you have people, uh, programmers are like this. A lot of programmers are like this, where they'd be like at their desk working on some problem and their attention is really frail and they'll forget to eat. So it'll be like four o'clock and they're still working on stuff and they'd be like, they might realize that they're hungry when they're in between those moments and they'll have to like try to keep their train of thought while rushing off to go find some sugar or something like that. So they'll have junk food, um, which is why if you if you hire programmers and you're serious about it, you should have a way for them to get food because their brain's not gonna work right and they're gonna need to rush off and get something decent to eat somehow. So if you have a cafeteria or something like that, make things real easy for these these people to get stuff and make absolutely sure they can do that without having some random uh, non-programmer bump into them and try to have a conversation or something distracting. Just want to get out of the way. Um, So some people, they feel that momentum and they'll go longer than their specified time just because they want to. Not. Necessarily because they're being paid for it or anything. It's just interesting. So you might set 15 minutes a day. You might want to say at a specific time, but that and that's probably appropriate. Um, because and you might actually need an alarm, even though alarms are annoying, because you don't have the internal motivation to remind yourself every single day. If that would be the best thing to do, is if it became so regular. That somewhere around that time you went, oh, I haven't done this. I may as well sit down for 15 minutes. That that's not your thing. So you may need an alarm for that. And just 15 minutes. And if you can't complete something in 15 minutes, you're not interested anymore, just stop. Write down what do what you <laughs> what you could do and then pick it up the next day. Because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, the podcast isn't gonna get delayed necessarily. Like this isn't necessarily a hard requirement. Maybe you want to consider it your, your 20% time because technically we've got no requirements that need an iTunes account. But sooner or later, you're going to run out of other things that are, that are requirements and you're going to start needing, you, you need to start chipping away at the things that are interesting because those are the things that go from, from the stagnation of your current success to improvement, to actual improvement. So. It's one thing to to have a clean, uh, let's say house, like you clean all your floors, vacuum everything. It's one thing to have that, and it's another thing to have that plus start working on other things. It's um, the same thing with a project endeavor, with like a computer related stuff. Everything might be status quo, but at some point you need to go and check out to see if there's updated versions of the software you use, and if you do that once so. Uh, depends on how much time you have, once a week. Then occasionally you'll bump into something that will be very rewarding because they've continued to improve the thing that you've been, been, been using for your 80% time for the entirety of everything. So your status quo has actually improved just slightly because you spent a little bit of that 20% of your time exploring something else. And there's a lot of cases where you're not even pushing boundaries. You're not going very far. You're just kind of like doing a little bit more. And it's not really, that's the thing. That's why I argue the 80-20, which is you should not be doing 100%. You should not be giving your all ever. You should be giving your all when you care and stuff just hits the fan and bring the entirety of what you have to offer to that problem and just wreck it. Because most of the time you should just be kind of autopilot on like 80%, maybe even less. So you can you can like, eh, and problems, when problems happen, you've got the strength to just over, you just, just step on problems when they happen. And, but most of the time there's kind of a lull between like 70 and 90. And it's perfectly reasonable because you were capable of a hundred, right? Again, like I said, businesses don't understand this. That's how you should be running a business. You run all your staff at 80%. And then look to see what uh, what people do with the remaining time. Do they just surf the internet and do nothing in particular? That might be fine. That might actually make them more effective at the 80%. Right? Other people might just push their 80% and just do more. That's good. You want to know the, those people. You want to see what they're capable of. Um, anyhow, so uh, an iTunes account will be cool. Um, I gave you a link earlier of one of these multicasting for podcasts. Do we need to start thought, uh, start thinking about videos? Because that's that was the original idea. And we're actually set up to do video like right now, literally right now we could do it. And then what I would have to do is like make sure my background is nice, but I have to be paranoid about the alignment of my camera, which... Uh, right now we're using discord, but that's just one swappable tool. Uh, we've tried talks and there's, uh, there's lots and lots of other stuff. Um, and maybe there's philosophical problems with using Skype or using some other voice chat thing. I'm I'm fine with exploring, but that's one drop in replacement. That could be anything else. You know how to make OBS OBS studio do anything you want with any audio source which is awesome. So just drop and replacement a thing. Um, so I would need something that would help me level my camera. And what's interesting is, so, okay, right, right now we're audio only. So for people that are actually interested in the mechanics of a, of a, a video podcast, what, is it, what would you just like a regular stream, I guess we'd call that. Um, it, behind me, I've got art on the wall. And so art on the wall naturally has lines. Um, It creates a horizon. So I've got, for example, I've got a picture on the wall and pictures on the wall because you, as a human, so you've got your feet flat, flat on the floor and everything is generally aligned and your eyes, two eyes in your head balance a certain way. You actually have good perception of horizon. So the artwork on all your walls has to be has to respect that horizon properly and has to be balanced so some people are very sensitive to this so they'll see pictures that are slightly askew especially when there's multiple ones next to one another so we actually use physical levels to make sure your pictures are 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 respecting the horizon they all look good there's weird problems that people that are into like decoration understand about walls and lines and stuff like that. And it's actually really cool stuff to kind of bump into. I don't fully understand that stuff. And maybe that's why, no, I'm a dude. I'm like dude, bro. So all the walls can be beige. I really don't care. I'm going to rant about my electronics all being black, which, which I, I will now admit <laughs> I'm grown up enough to admit that I don't want that anymore. I'm, j- I'm getting, yeah, that's awful. I'll talk about that later. But for camera alignment I've got that horizon created from artwork but I also have a, a mantle so I've got one of these gas fireplaces and uh, that is a horizontal line it, it thankfully it's actually level because when you have elements of your house and the elements aren't level, like your house settles so technically speaking the line from your wall to your ceiling might be crooked that makes life uh, really awkward. That, that might really anger some people. you'll notice that if you go looking for it, you might not, might notice that, so don't do that. I'm so sorry. I probably ruined lives there. So aligning my camera is actually remarkably easy because what I do is I would judge either the bottom of the video that I'm producing or the top with one of the lines that I can draw looking at the artwork or looking at the mantle. So I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, OBS Studio, I can there's now a grid feature because I spent my 20% time updating OBS Studio and reading the patch notes. There's a feature in there, which I haven't found, which I'll do that later, that paints a grid. I did that manually before because there's like snap to horizon and snap horizontal, snap vertical. So I just drew some lines. But if there's a grid feature, I can pull up the grid feature, do some video tests, get my alignment perfect because as i said this thing is not my camera is not balanced on my on my monitor i don't know why webcams oh that's if you use double-sided tape okay fine but i don't know how many times i've bumped my monitor or i forgot and i because i can turn my monitor it's on an arm so i can turn my monitor to just because if there's like some vertically filmed video, I'm like, oh, okay, I can reach for my monitor and turn it. And I'll throw the webcam somewhere. Well, I don't do that. My webcam, I got a certain kind of webcam that I put on an actual stand, like a lamp, on my desk. It, that's life-changing because I can actually move my camera and it can be really consistent. It can stay probably perfectly horizontal if I, if I'm careful about moving it. And it's just wonderful. Um, And I also highly recommend it. And it's not as expensive as you think. Plus, it's not going to wear out. So, you know, just do it. If you've got the space like I do, I was able, because I'm using a monitor arm, and so I have this space underneath my monitor, I could actually fit this webcam arrangement behind my monitor. So we have the setup not just to to do video but to do it fairly right especially because i've had um significant enough experience with video because i've done my own video stuff not that i know what i'm doing but i've re- at least done the basics um we could leverage that really easily and get something video up and running so that's not a decision we've made yet and getting an audio version of stuff and having it separate is another decision we haven't made yet. Um, I think our notion was when I'm, I mean, I'm over the summer, whatever. Things got complicated, but the notion of having a two people in the same room and uh, webcams, cameras going, uh, and actually having a physical podcast, that notion may not survive our our human arrangements. But the notion of just streaming, like Discord or whatever, with just people with webcams, is still still a valid, a viable option. So, okay, so the iTunes thing and what else is on your to-do list? I suggest things and then I forget them. So I think there are probably going to be... I haven't even looked at... um, It's technically your YouTube channel to see how the playlists are arranged, to check the presentation, to this kind of stuff. So while I still remember, um, take a look and make sure that, because theoretically speaking, this channel acts as an entity. So it can do user stuff. So it can view videos and it can like videos and it can comment. You know, this kind of stuff. And it doesn't have to be restricted to itself and maybe it shouldn't be. I don't know. That's your call. I think it should be. One of the things that you should do is check the privacy settings is audit all the options for, for the YouTube channel itself and for the, cause I think it automatically makes a Google wide account for you and just check all the privacy settings. For example, don't have um, subscribed channels or liked videos show up in playlists. That are public so that's and that's pretty straightforward and that's just to simplify things it's not because you're going to be liking things that are edgy um although it would be comp- really hilarious if it was just a pile of cat videos it just just be like because it's the thing but it's not like i'm going to be browsing with your stuff um if i were as me as the writer to be going through and showing my like lists, it would be a whole pile of really weird interviews and book reviews and, and but that's the a, a human being's list of liked videos is really creepy to look to look through. Because I don't like things because I like things. not always. Sometimes I like things. Sometimes I might like something in order to support the uh, artist, the creator because i want them to have more visibility and sometimes it's because i explicitly agree with the content and it saved me my making my own video on that subject um and sometimes it's like i wouldn't have made like that's a very brave video to make i wouldn't have done that or i couldn't because my perspective on life isn't compatible um, so I, I upvote and I downvote for really weird reasons that somebody from the outside looking at a list wouldn't understand or couldn't really. So yeah, so add to your to-do list uh, making your your liked uh, your subs- your subscriptions that stuff private so you can say security audit and then technically it's your best judgment, please, and um, I don't have to care because it's your endeavor. So we're coming up on a break. We're going to come back. I'm probably going to talk about sleep and physicality and all that good stuff. We'll see you guys in another 10 minutes. Wow, this looks nice. We got two bots. <laughs> Band. <sighs> Still haven't taken off this starting soon. Maybe you could do that now while you're having a snack. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't, I'll make a note to follow up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to do the Lua editing. Oh man, maybe I'll do that tomorrow. I'm kind of excited because I've been getting into programming-ish related stuff. Like I don't, I I decided, so one of the skills that you need in life is to know how to give up. To learn when to give up, to arrange the things in your life so that you can determine which things matter and which things don't. And when you're younger, so if you're in your 20s or something like that, especially if you're not an adult yet, you can have lots of ideas, you can have lots of dreams. I I do want the young to have those things because. Because trust me, adults get really jaded and it's nice to have the, it's it's really nice to be reminded that those things could exist in the world. It's really nice to have that hope, but you end up having too many ideas, too many dreams and you get faced with reality. You get faced with too many dreams and everything takes time or expertise or Money or connections or right? everything is complicated. You can dream when when you're young and go, well, I think the world should be this and like, well, you know, golf clap. That's adorable. That's really adorable. But see the real world, and the problem is they can't see the real world. And it's nice to find inspiration in that kind of thing. This is this is maybe this is the Santa Claus thing again. We have the Christmas spirit that we impart onto children. And although it is a lie, um, it, is, it does help adults, technically. I mean, I don't want to say that, that we're using children to inspire us by making, tricking them into having Christmas spirit. I mean, that would be a jade thing to say, and I wouldn't say something like that. But, I mean, let me move, moving right along, we were, uh, I just wanted to talk about a water cooler really quick before I talk on to physicality. Because I've talked about my um my sensitivity to well all all my senses really, but my sensitivity to the quality of water. And so we have uh we can actually get it. I don't know if if you like water, if you like bottled water or whatever the heck, do make arrangements to get it in bulk. And I've talked about the value of getting something that you love in bulk to save you money. And if it's something essential that you can buy in bulk. You'll save a lot of money over time. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar every once in a while. That's still a dollar every once in a while that you could put towards probably paying down your debts. That's probably the most important thing that you can do because paying down your debts reduces the amount of interest you pay. And that's, that's the exact same thing as getting more income, like reducing your interest every month is the same as getting paid that much every month. And as soon as your interests are lowered and lowered and lowered that income stays right. You've been, you've been making your life less expensive or you've been doing more things to save more money. You've been taking that money. Like you've been generating money with that. As soon as your debt is zero, that money that you've been generating stays there. Like now you have that money that doesn't have to go to to your debt. So it can go to something you value in life. So like, if it's essential, buy it in bulk, save the money, throw it towards your debt, make your debt zero, take that money, do something else with it like do it to the next thing that buy it in bulk so we're do we're we're getting um water in bulk and because i'm I'm sensitive and we had uh, i i will admit I cleaned it, I cleaned it and I used a little bit of bleach honestly, I didn't use a cap floor or anything crazy like that I did measure- measure out like a dribble of about five drops, which is about the recommendation. And then I flushed it with what would the American equivalent be? Probably a, a you couple just ran of gallons. Water through it. Saying, well, you just ran yeah, a bunch of water through it. But I don't think I did enough. So there was this leftover taste from the totally new bottle of water. Now, we did all that because the old bottle of water probably got some bacteria in it. And it was positioned near a window at one point and it got some direct sunlight. And that the combination of dumbass minion putting a water bottle right up to the tap and the bacteria riding up into the tank being exposed to sunlight probably just bred something that didn't taste good. It's possible that we were that we were conned and given a bad bottle of water that wasn't properly treated the way you know we paid for that. Maybe, 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 maybe it was a little bit old. Maybe you're right. It was old stock or maybe, okay. So, so the problem is the bleach, bleach bleachy kind of taste. It's actually, okay. Bleach will kill you, right? Ingesting bleach will kill you. Ingesting a little bit of bleach tastes bad, but doesn't, doesn't hurt you. But that, what little means is going to be quite little. And it's very, very specific. So it's specific about two things. It's specific about um, the concentration of bleach that you use. Okay. Now there are, there are two concentrations of bleach that you can buy. So pay attention to that because there's a certain percentage and there's an extra strength version of it, which is like double the concentration. So like you need to know that. And the second thing you need to know is you need to know whether or not a quote unquote bleach is appropriate for something that will end up with human consumption because some bleach is meant for laundry and it's got other stuff in it so it might have a scent or something in it that stuff is just all manner of risky so you you don't put that anywhere near your body but bleach itself and i checked so uh in canada there's actually i went and i looked at the the actual government level recommendations on bleach on how to use bleach specific for the specifically for the purpose of making for of treating water All right so one of the things you can do is you can boil water and i looked into that as well government level i looked into that and if you wanted to boil water to make it uh, safe to drink so i i actually I went to the government. I went to the the water advisory people, and they email me when there are issues. So I'm actually just kind of interested in that stuff. Uh, I was going to go into that industry at one point, point. and so uh, th- there are actual boil uh, advisories that go out. So if you were to drink water, um, then you would need to bring it to a boil in a kettle. Now, what that means, and so I wanted to know. Okay, well. Do I need, because I've heard a uh, boil it for 20 minutes and that's a, that's a ridiculously long time and you're going to boil water down. So like what, that, that makes no sense. So I checked with the government and what, what our government says is I, I looked, I looked at the physics and the lifespan, the tolerances for heat of the common bacteria that we have in water. I do this kind of stuff when I'm interested and I want to solve this problem for forever. So I'm imparting this knowledge onto you saves you a lot of time okay so there's two things to kill with regard to the boiling thing there's two things that kill bacteria first thing is heat the second thing is time if you heat it up enough and you just leave it that temperature for a long time it's going to kill everything or if you heat it up to even more you need less time to kill everything off okay now, if you were to raise the temperature to boiling and just stop boiling immediately, take it off the heat, that escalation to boiling will already, uh, will already rise through all of the, the, the murder temperatures that will kill all the bacteria, right? So by the time it gets to boiling, it's already gone through to 100 Celsius or whatever the heck that is in Fahrenheit, I don't care, and will kill everything. So you only need to take your water, bring it to boil, to proper boil, and then end it, and they're fine, Okay, which isn't going to waste too much water. It's still kind of a waste of electricity or however you boil your water, gas. Okay, so so that I learned, but I also learned about bleach because I was actually worried about, I'm still kind of worried about how things are going to go because a lot of people have um, food security issues but I've also got water security issues To because of the pandemic stuff is uh, obliterating our economy like Canada's debt is now increased it was already terrifying before because our previous liberal government no surprise something like tripled our debt and then now it is another 10 times I'm not joking 10 times where's the money coming from thin air it's fabricated. Now, money is like that because we don't have a standard of some physical material. And I'll go down this road. Canada doesn't have gold. Our Canadian government does not keep gold. We don't have a reserve at all. So our money is totally made up. If We might be lucky if we were able to peg it to the American dollar. But so we're... <laughs> So there's a lot of food security issues that a lot of people have had. The United States has some people with a good history of survivalism and homesteading, which I've talked about before. And so some of that kind of floated up here. So I'm a little bit interested in water because you can go without food for a while. And I've studied fasting, which I've talked about before. So for bleach. Okay, so for bleach, there's there's the concentration of bleach and then there's a number of literal drops of water for an amount of of, uh, water to be purified and it's like x number of drops and measure it with an eyedropper literally to be careful of that much bleach to x amount of water and i thought i was like right on board with understanding that stuff but you could still taste it afterwards and so the idea was we got rid of the water that was no good but there was still a taste left over in the tank we wanted to make sure that any bacteria that remained in the tank so it's a cold water capable cooler uh, that anything that's that's the straight through tap or anything that's in the cold water reservoir was was sterilized sanitized because we can't i wouldn't want to put boiling water through that which would be the, the what do we call it, environmentally friendly thing to do really uh so i put a little bit of bleach and a. I put a little bit of bleach and i guess i didn't run enough water through i guess i wasn't patient or maybe the taste was normal and uh so we we had to kind of like stop flush it really hard again let it dry out all and it's taken days so that was kind of the adventure over the last few days and that's because um we value our water this is we're gonna do a minor version of that probably every time every few bottles or something like that, and our bottles are five gallon containers, so that'll last a person or a couple people or a household. That kind of thing would last for just one of those bottles would last a a really good amount of time, even though you should be drinking you know one or two of those good, pure glasses of water every day, and the rest is probably maybe you do juice or pop or something. milk um you should be drinking a lot and even though a household would be drinking a lot those are going to last a long time um so water is still kind of for for this segment for segment two water is still something that's kind of related to everything else but i'm going to build on what i was talking about on sunday which is the physicality stuff i'll go over the sleep thing really quick okay So I'm an advocate of being a morning lark as opposed to a night owl. Morning larks wake up early and hopefully they go to bed early too. I'm biphasic, so I'm both. If I manage to, like, because I could do this on the weekends, but work obligations would mean that the 9 to 5, I couldn't have a nap during the day. But really what's awesome for me is waking up at 3 in the morning, having a nap in the afternoon, you know, and then going to bed at maybe 11 or so. So that's that's a, a good long evening. And then having, you know, four hours of sleep here, three hours of sleep here, and I'm good during the day. And it's having that hard break means that I'm a new person with a new day, even though it's a short day, and I can do that. I can have that newness of waking up twice as often as the next person over. Now, that's not realistic for most people, most of the time, that's fine. But if you're, I mean, theoretically, if you're working from home or if you're like, I hear the unemployment rate in the United States is something like 10%, like it's something absolutely terrifying, that's wrong. And even the people that are working may not be working full time. So they may, may only be working four days of the week, not five. They may have their hours reduced sometimes because you want to stagger how people get into the office or wherever. So some people will, will arrive at 9, some at 10, some at 8. And that's so that if you're using public transportation, you're all, um, you're all traveling on slightly thinned out public transportation because you don't want to be so concentrated. And sometimes what that means is some people will have hours that have been cut or changed or whatever. So there's a lot of people in the United States that... I don't know about Canada well enough because we're doing great. Um, we need to, you know, it's going to come up from the United States. We, I hope that our politicians aren't so naive as to think that we're just going to be awesome. Um, so, but I know, I know things are bad in the United States. But so theoretically speaking, there there is an opportunity for a lot of people to explore playing with their sleep, especially if you you have if you're depressed. No like this is like type 2 depression this is the the this is the made up depression this is the depression of just being like a normal person when life sucks this is not the kind of depression like uh that you that you need pills for kind of thing this is not like this is not like medicate a medicatable a biological based depression this is just like this is your dog died depression which which is solvable by either time or, you know, this stuff. So if you're locked down, depressed, sleep, good sleep and owning your good sleep is actually a really good thing to pursue. Really good thing to pursue. So I'm going to, okay, so much for me going over something quick. So the idea is don't struggle against an alarm clock waking up where it goes from sleep to shock to the the obligations of your life and then you come home and then you live your life and then you go to you you repeat right sleep eat, work that's and if that's your life life sucks but what you can do you were saying so did you have something no i forgot you can hear me slurp doing all this other stuff but the stream can't because i muted the recording can't because i muted that mic (laughs) okay um so say nothing to me if you're what a dumb distraction you are yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay um yeah ladies and gentlemen that's minion there's there's a reason there's a reason i'm talking um so what you can do instead is you change the way you're your effort is, instead of struggling to wake up in the morning, struggle to go to sleep, okay? Struggle to go to sleep at nine o'clock, at eight o'clock, right? Get home, do your evening obligations, your, your, your evening things you do to stay alive, right? Maybe have a little bit of fun, and then struggle to go to sleep. Have an alarm clock if you want, But you now have an opportunity to actually catch up on your sleep, sleep like a normal person, maybe not even wake up with an alarm clock. Wake up, if you can, wake up real early. The world is a different place. This is why cottages have the effect they do. Because you wake up when you wake up. You go to bed when you're like tired and it's kind of dark out. And maybe you don't look at a a clock because you don't have to, because you don't have the obligations anymore. And you wake up when you wake up because it's nice and cold and things are asleep and you know, the bugs are, are away and the birds are away and you can just be pacing around at three in the morning. That's if you can do that in your home, your life will change. So instead of struggling to wake up, you struggle to go to sleep, you wake up whenever you've got, you've got the experience of being rested for hours in the morning and then you go to work. Now, this may not be appropriate for some people that need to be wakeful. In the later parts of their work shift, because you start getting tired during the day, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And you have less time in the afternoon. But the thing is, when you get home from work, you're kind of tired, and the the last thing you want is like the experience of your life to be at, recovering after work. You want the experience of your life to be after your sleep, because that you're just you're hundred percent you. You've you've had hopefully 8 hours right but you know 6 7 hours of sleep of rest of some sort and you wake up and so all you have to do is shift this to go from nocturnal from like going to bed at 10 11 to diurnal which is waking up really early so that's something that I talked about in greater detail in the previous episode um and I want I want to talk about um the shower thing because I talked about using a shower as a hard break okay so the you should be showering daily especially if you have work obligations please don't put your co-workers through the kind of funk that some people are just oh man just like that and don't play pretend like you you can put something scented on that no just shower stop putting perfume cologne on Pay attention because the stuff that you might spray in your hair, the stuff you roll on under your armpits, the soap you might use might leave a, a, a smell and it's, it's bad. It, if it has a smell on the shelf, hope, you need to find out if it washes off. And if it doesn't wash off, you need to know because it's a, it's a strong chance, especially if you're around people that, you're, that you work with daily. There's a strong chance you're going to be annoying somebody, possibly even really bothering them, or they might like it a lot. It's one of those risks, and people don't have good communications, so you'll, you'll never know. It's a problem. So it's better to just turn that off, because work is for work, not for making yourself smell pretty. Um, so shower once a day, just to be clean, for sure. But you can do that, and you can do that maybe before work just to be 100% clean. Great idea. okay? And that's one way to to transition from that morning relaxation, that extension of the sleep relaxation, out to, okay, well, now I have to be an adult. Shower to become that adult. Go to work. Freshly shower. Should be great. Come home. Shower again even if it has to be really short and uh, shower like you have sisters, like throw yourself in there, get out. Like there, I've heard the stories from guys who've got like five sisters and like, okay. And <laughs> it's like, I use the bathroom when I can <laughs> and I have to be as fast. Cause they're like, they're right outside, maybe even knocking on the door while I'm just right. So they have to get in, get out real quick. And the mornings are just challenging. And that's, that's one reason why some people learn to wake up really early, so they can just like have a basic shower before they go to work. But if you go home, have a quick shower, and what that does is that acts as a break. Some people use it for meditation. It, it acts as a break between before shower, after shower. There, there's all kinds of things that happen to you during the shower, and showering isn't very hard. You know how to shower. Just do it and do it quick even if it, if even if it's just getting wet just do it and um i want to talk about the shower thing because people have hot showers and you have to stop and i've talked about cold showers cool showers and dousing and stuff like that but i want to talk about hot showers specifically i'm going to give you a horror story to help you know why having a hot shower is a really bad idea Uh, This is going to matter for some people more than others. And unfortunately for some people, it's just going to be too little, too late to tell you. Okay. If you shower with a hot shower, you're going to look old faster. It's going to happen eventually, right? Eventually, eventually. And And I know that there's a lot of people, mostly women, who buy things in order to help their skin various kinds of things, like specialized things, specialized things just for looking younger, all this kind of stuff. Some of them are cons. Some of them are good. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of work. Okay, well, let's save time and money, Let, let's just be like that. Let's be sensible about that. Well, one of the things that you should do is stop hurting yourself. If, if you want to get well, start begin by not hurting yourself anymore. So people get older skin by being exposed to things that damage your skin. So don't try to heal your skin before you stop doing the damage in the first place. And showers is one of the things that damages skin. If you're having a hot shower, you're exposing your skin to a very significant amount of heat and you're just wrecking it. And I know there's arguments for people having like nice saunas and stuff like that. Um, And I guess this is my argument against those. Now, maybe saunas are different because maybe they're not as hot, even though they feel hotter. Maybe they're not scalding in the same way as a shower would be. But maybe I have sensitive skin. What I've noticed is if I hop in the shower and it's hot and I let it hit my face. And specifically my forehead, I'll actually scold. I'll actually see a, a change in, in in color, really. Now I'm beige, so color change is actually pretty noticeable on me. I know that there are a lot of people who are extra pale and they'll they there are rules for certain kinds of skin, right? So my particular skin is is a well-maintained beige that could tan well if I chose to it turns out I that's just too much work. I don't like doing it. And if I go outside in direct sunlight and change color, I'll get the farmer's tan, which is kind of embarrassing. What that is, is that's essentially tan lines. So you'll have like a tanned face and neck and then tanned arms. But if you were to roll up your sleeve or or just change to a different kind of t-shirt one day, you'll get the tan lines and it just looks dumb. So I, I don't pursue that. But also staying out of sunlight is a great way to... to Keep your skin nice. Now the reason I value talking about foreheads and age is I can't remember it, but I remember seeing this one woman. she was using a some kind of like miniature buffer thing. So you know how you have like floor polishing things, these big machines that you run over a, a stone floor or something like that. And it's, it's just this machine, this machine that, that, that buffs whatever floor, it, but it's like a tiny equivalent of that for a forehead and maybe it's for a face. Right. But she was like obsessed with running this thing on her forehead because she thought that if she did this, it would buff out wrinkles, which is wrong that this just wrong now maybe that was how it was sold to her maybe that's maybe the um the language of the product what, let it let a person trick themselves into thinking that so there's some some uh, tomfoolery in the in products that are out there and maybe she was just hopeful maybe she was you know life hack if you use this thing for your cheeks then on your forehead instead then it right but for some for whatever reason but one of the reasons that people get the kind of off color maybe slightly pimply maybe skin shedding and older forehead one of the reasons is if you have a shower and it might feel really good might feel really good on your face even um, and you might just have a hot shower and think to yourself, well, I, I don't want to hurt my face. And maybe most of the time you'll have your hot shower and you won't hit your, your head at all or your face at all. Maybe. But even if it happens once for just long enough and you lose your train of thought and it happens, that will be enough damage, possibly for weeks, possibly for months. Like some people have sensitive skin. And, and it's just awful. And maybe, maybe a woman could get away with putting makeup on. Uh, most men, I don't, I don't like men care still, but often men are, do we say ashamed out of makeup? Men were the ones that were wearing makeup back in the day. So sounds weird, but blame the French, I suppose. Uh, these days I have known men who do wear makeup that they, there are still men. Like they're manly men, they're just metrosexual and wear mud masks and have makeup on and stuff like that. I had never heard of it until meeting this one guy. Uh, it never even occurred to me. <laughs> but he's not from Canada. So I mean, whatever. Maybe it's just I, I don't know. Maybe the guy was just weird. Maybe it's maybe I'm old and I just don't understand this stuff. Um, I'm open to being called old it's not wrong not anymore even though i'm technically not i think i'm defending myself like that would be an insult so your your skin is sensitive don't if you have these hot showers in order to meditate and break your day into multiple parts which you should do be aware that you will damage yourself especially because this would become a regular thing you you would be damaging yourself uh not quite but Twice on on double the occasion, right? Maybe one of your showers is hot for a long time. Maybe the other is a short hot shower. They're both bad. They're both bad ideas. So, just like, just like becoming a morning lark, waking up a little bit early, experiencing life more like a cottage for a little bit. Try having a cool shower, not just having a cool shower on summer days when that would be a good idea anyway but have a cool shower even if it's cold in your house because there's an advantage to doing that in that your body gets used to that. It, 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 it gets used to that kind of um, normalcy of that temperature if you expose yourself to it intentionally. Some people, I mean, it really depends on the person. For me, I've, I've dropped the temperature down to as cold as possible at that. I wouldn't recommend that. That's especially uncomfortable. That's worse than dousing in like cold water out in the wintertime. That's, that's worse. So ever so slightly above just groundwater cold. Uh, I've done that and I don't recommend that for most people. Um, but, but cool, cool is good. The problem with cool water is soap doesn't wash up very easily. But the thing is, it still washes out. It just takes a little bit more time. So again, the reminder that Canada is the third most water-rich place on earth. It's more complicated than that. So we don't understand the idea of taking a short shower on purpose. But if it's a cold shower, you're not wasting the quote-unquote hot water. So yeah, you do you. You understand whether or not it's going to cost you money or resources it's going to cost you guilt if you've got water issues in your area like uh, drought type stuff know what you're doing because you're having extra showers and stuff but honestly if it's just a shower that gets you wet don't even run a bar of soap over your body anything like that Uh, don't get your hair wet if you got complicated hair your second shower just put put your hair up and go have a shower don't even get your face wet for all it matters right and just just do this because there's a slight change. Maybe change your clothes. I've talked about that too. So the, in addition to all that stuff, which I'm kind of reinforcing, even though it's only been a couple of days, um, when, waking up the, doing, when waking up like a morning lark, nice and early, it, try to wake up without an alarm because you should have time in the morning. Try to not have a clock nearby. Try to not have your phone within reach. And, but have alarms there so that you are pushed into your obligations to make make sure that you don't zone out completely and, and forget about these things. And have it there so that you're not constantly doing the paranoid checking of the time. So that during your time from being nice and relaxed in the morning, you're not checking to see when you should end your relaxation because that's already ending your relaxation. Have the alarm there so you can forget and do everything else and then have the alarm kind of ping and and be a reminder. And first thing in the morning, don't have an alarm clock near you. Don't have a clock near you. Get get rid of it. When you wake up, hopefully naturally, just sit in your bed, cross-legged. Now, everything that I've talked about is a little bit complicated when you have a partner, right? When you're sharing a bed, Um, but if you were to wake up without an alarm, you're not going to be bothering somebody else, assuming that you can get out of bed, maybe to go and pee in the morning, right? You should be able to get up to just sit and meditate and like, look at your spouse and be like, what did I do to deserve that? (laughs) Like think, think happy thoughts. Like hopefully, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're next to somebody who's who's too good for you, right? Try to experience life like that. And even if, because it's hard for a lot of people, it's hard for I don't know. It's kind of hard for me, but it's really rewarding when I do it. For sit, try sitting for thirty seconds. If, that, if that's all you can manage, do it. Um, maybe your head is full of fluff. Uh, so it's, it's easy or maybe it's full of fluff. So it's hard. See if you can extend that out. I have heard people doing it for five minutes. Just sit there, sit there, try not to worry, try not to plan. Um, and just cause you just kind of want to remember who you are as a human transition from your sleeping self out into your wakeful self and make it a nice, gentle ride from one to the next and if you do the um diarying slash logging um, stuff that i'm probably going to talk about in the future i've talked about it in my own streams which is you have a little notebook and you write down your plans for the day and you read previous things If you do something like that, if you do journaling during, maybe after a minute or so, be able to get your journal, have that in arm's reach from, from your sleeping. So you don't get out of bed and go do that. Even if it's kind of cold, like, like totally do the childish, pull your blankets up over your head and wrap it around. Like it's a little cloak, like totally do that kind of thing and be, be a little child for a while. Like experience it. It's going to make your bed annoying to make, but you shouldn't make your bed first thing in the morning anyway so that it dries out. Um, and And just kind of enjoy that moment, then reach for your journal, read it, review it, maybe use it as the way to plan the rest of your day. Remember that you may not be doing any of the things on a to-do list that you're making. It might be for after work. So if you can manage that, if you can be distant, detached from the plans that you're making, that that would be the best thing to do. Because I don't want to see you waking up, meditating, and then looking at a journal and having it be tyrannical with a to-do list of stuff that you have to do that morning. Because that morning, the experience between like 3 and 6, that me time when the birds are asleep that time is is mystical that time is something that people really should experience and i don't like the idea of people being agitated by by their obligations um m- maybe have that stuff be timed distantly for after work No, so that Your morning experience is arranging so that your evening experience is optimized. It's not stressful because you got stuff to do. It's it's optimized with just the right number of things to accomplish after work. It's like after work, you come home, you're tired, but you have your shower, you gather yourself back up again. You like make remember, remind yourself that you're an adult. And you, you've timed out because you've already considered the stuff that you can do, that you should do, in the in the quote unquote in your evening. So in your late afternoon. So your and it could be basic stuff. It could be easy or obvious stuff like you know, uh, mop the kitchen floor, uh, do the laundry, this kind of stuff. If you write that down having those entries in your journal when you're when you're coming out of bed 3 30 in the morning or whatever and you're looking at the stuff it's kind of comical for you to kind of arrange okay future self i'm sure you can get around to doing this <laughs> and you just kind of like and when you come home from work and you're tired you're like look at the list going oh yeah I guess I can do this because you already you care about you it shouldn't be hard for your morning you being as chill as it is, to care about your evening you. Your evening you has already had the hard part of arranging all of your obligations, of figuring all that stuff out. It's already done for you. So you get home from work. You don't have to begin that experience by arranging all that stuff, by being like immediately, tyrannically, forced into making these to-do items it's already done for you by that other nicer version of you that that version of you that hasn't been stressed out from work so you end up through the morning lark concept having two versions well three versions of you well four if you consider the one that's been sleeping well you got the morning version of you that's hopefully nice and relaxed extending the benefits of having relaxed oversleep. Then you get the work you, which is um, hopefully enhanced by that that really nice, relaxed morning you. Hopefully you, you get into work. The trip to work isn't so bad because you had such a great morning of relaxation. So the trip isn't so bad. Hopefully you enter into the work and you're not already pre-stressed by having been woken up and kicked out of bed, and forced to, to rush to get to work. Hopefully, the beginning of your work is good. Hopefully, it, right up until your afternoon is good. Maybe your lunch, you actually cooked it for yourself, because you had a really nice, relaxing morning. And hey, you know, when you do have the time, you like to cook. So you made yourself something that's really good for lunch, because you your morning person, your morning self, cares about the rest of you right? So that benefit came forward to lunch. And maybe your lunch is great. And maybe after lunch, hey, a little bit of that sticks. So after work, is pretty good because you had a really nice lunch. And maybe the rest of your day at work is really good too. Just a little bit because of that. And so maybe you're not so horribly burnt out at the end of the day. And when you get home and you have your shower and you break, there's that third self, that third self already had the planning from the first self. Heck, maybe some of the um, prep for dinner happened in the morning. So for example, if you if you make rice, rice is one of the staples. If you do that, you should be making a pilaf, which is taking rice, parboiling it, which is boiling it, put it in a pot, bring the water to a boil, you dump the water out, okay? You do that that parboiling process, and then you can have the rice sit in the fridge, parboiled, ready to go. If you did that already, that, that's saving like 20 minutes when you come home. And that's really easy to do when you're around. And so maybe your evening is kind of already, you know, your to-do lists have been figured out. Maybe a little bit of the dinner prep has been figured out. Things are a little bit easier. Things are a little bit lazier. You've had your shower. You only have so much time. but honestly. You're probably wasting your time like watch, re-watching for the third time episodes of whatever show. You're probably re-watching old media because you're burnt out and depressed. And you can only deal with watching the things that you have curated and have liked in the past. You're reliving the experiences of appreciating something from nostalgia. Like, that's a bad sign. If you're constantly going back to safe, secure territory from your earlier entertainment experiences, you are wasting your time. What, like, your life has been damaged. Your personality has been damaged to that point that you're you're desperately trying to reclaim some of that previous uh, happy nostalgia, and it, it's not really going to work very well. Technically, what you should be doing is going and Exploring new shows, possibly hating them, like <laughs> watching Black Mirror, and going, "Wow, this really isn't for me." <laughs> like, that's kind of a a stressful thing, yeah, but maybe you bump into something really nice. But if you're really in the wrong frame of mind, you're not even going to want to do that. Yet, if you do this morning thing, if you do that morning thing, um, you'll have a little bit more happiness that you can. Remind yourself of later in the day. You can do a little bit more prep if you have only a few hours in the afternoon. Again, this really isn't for everybody, especially if you got kids. Um, and if you've got a few hours in the morning, you can, you have to give up rewatching old shows. You have to give up the the fluff in life that doesn't really matter. And you've got a lot of stuff in your life that you could selectively give up on. If you're brave enough to say that this is a waste of time compared to these other things that i really do care about that's the kind of stuff that you think about when you first wake up out of out of sleep when you sit in your bed you're not woken up by an alarm clock when you're looking at your journal you're looking at your to-do list you're thinking about what you want to accomplish in life but the things that would actually matter about your values and how to find them to 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 craft the life you want when you've done all that and you come home you've got you've got a notion of the things that you could pursue in life and it becomes absent of the things that really don't matter like you're probably doing a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter that you're only doing as a way of kind of relaxing because the rest of life is really hard but the rest of life is probably made harder than it ought to be by the fact that you're getting kicked out of your sleep, you're getting kicked out of your house, pushed into work, pushed into all these obligations, kicked out of work tired, forced forced into figuring out what you're supposed to be doing with your evening, wasting a lot of time figuring that out, pushed into doing stuff, running out of steam for the like the umpteenth time crashing into bed like you're probably arranging your day wrong. All you would need to do is is shuffle things a little bit to move where your your bedtime is. If you just move if you struggle against wanting to stay up to rewatch something, wanting to go and have like a second snack before dinner, if you if you go to bed hungry, I mean if you're trying to lose weight, go to bed hungry lose weight in one easy step, each one hungry, (laughs) go to bed hungry. Like hunger should be a thing. And if that's the thing you have to struggle against, because it is a struggle, that's the struggle that you have in life to to make all this happen. All you have to do is do this once. And then remember, remind yourself when it comes near that bedtime, remind yourself of how good it was last time. If, if you can only pull this off on the weekends, if, if you can only figure this out sometimes, do it because it's it's a vacation every time you do it. It really is. Um, so I think we'll take a slightly earlier break and I'm not sure what we're going to come back and talk about, but um, I think I've, I've done my, my personal motivation stuff for that segment. So we'll be back in another what, 13 minutes or so. I'll see you guys again soon. So um I was talking about hunger in the previous segment. And I I'm, I'm going to talk about diet more in the future because this entire endeavor is it's not exactly a self-improvement train of thought. It does technically end with physicality. So that's you can call it fitness if you want. So I could call it wellness. That's a little bit weird, fluffy, new agey. We don't exactly have the language for it. Normally what we do is we break it down into little segments. So we might say diet, we might say fitness, we might say, right, we might might say a lot of things. You might say owning your scheduling is self-improvement. You might, okay, but it's all the same thing. So owning your sleep is a way of helping your mood your mood is the thing that drives the motivation that will help you do certain things to improve your physical health let's say one of the other elements of physical health is i could talk about diet and i've talked about uh, my experiments with a carnivore diet with a lion diet with I, i mean i've been a vegetarian for a long time i've been sugar free for a long time i've been I've done, and I'm not doing any of those things anymore. And uh, I've, I've experimented. Probably my most interesting experiment was I've, I've been look to see how many products you consume, which have um, modified milk ingredients or what's the other one. It's been so long since I've actually had these things or I forget palm oil yeah it's it's one of the oil hydrogenated vegetable oil is the phrase okay, look for the foods that have these things and just stop eating them now, your life's gonna change it's not because it's a health thing that you're gonna notice, but boy, is it going to be weird for you to go shopping because a lot of stuff um, has these these manufactured components in them you're gonna notice that the things that have these in them are are, are man modified. It doesn't mean they're bad because they've been modified because they've been manufactured, right? But those ingredients are terrifying. So um, hydrogenated vegetable oil is used and is a, it's it's a substitute in your body for oils, but the hydrogenation process is more or less temporary. And it will break down in your body. That would normally be a problem, except your body actually uses the oils as a component uh, for building cell walls, right? It's an actual. The food you eat is a building block for your body, and if the food you eat breaks down, the substance of it breaks down. The whatever your body built with it breaks down, and uh, if this stuff that you consume gets used in something. Critical. It might be not used in a lot of stuff that's critical. It's not like your body's only getting that material from that particular part of ingredient in that one meal. Like you've got a variety of diet and your body can do it, your body's resilient, all this kind of stuff. But boy, is it a bad idea to be inserting something that does the exact opposite of what you would normally consume food for. So you wonder why people like there's two things that kill humans, right? There's old age, which tends to just be dehydration from depression while old. Um, there's all kinds of ailments that happen later in life, but that those tend to not actually kill people. But the other one's cancer. And you have to wonder where cancer comes from. Cancer is a problem with the cell level reproduction, right? So If you're providing your body with the wrong kinds of building blocks for cells, that's one vector for damaging your body's ability to regenerate cells. The other is if if you just have stuff that poisons you and other, we have actual known carcinogens. Um, Anybody who's bought products that are from the United States, specifically from California or which are sold in California, there's really um, awesome warning labels. Specific to California, that'll say that'll say the things that other places don't have to say. If you buy something brass, for example, brass often has lead in its manufacturer. It doesn't mean that there's much or any lead in the product. But the thing is, a product with less than 1% lead, like brass product, as lead as a remaining component within it, doesn't have to say it has any in it. It could say that it has none in it. But in California, you can't get away with that. So you, if you pay attention to certain products, there are certain carcinogens that are known carcinogens. The product may not say it as a fact, but it will give you the vague thing. I'm actually gonna reach for an actual, an actual example. Okay, where is it? Okay, so I've got a box in front of me because i got a really nice kink-free metal garden hose. And it's really nice, actually. Ah, yes, here it is on the bottom of the box. California, I guess that's Proposition 65 warning. This product contains chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer, birth defects, or other reproductive harm. Now, that wouldn't have to be there if it wasn't sold in California. It's, it's, I find it amusing because we're Canadians, so technically speaking, um... I, don't, I wouldn't even know what the heck of California is because that's another country. That makes no sense to me, technically. Now, we're, we're more or less attached at the hip to the United States that I know what California is. It's like, is that the one that's West Coast? <laughs> I don't know. And I love how they said Calif. They actually said Calif, period. They didn't say, like, is, is CA their short form because they have two-letter short forms. They didn't say that, which would have been interesting. And there was a lot of space. This is, okay, that, that, that was two lines that I said, three lines, right? So the header and a, and a good sentence. And this is the bottom of the box. And there was a lot of space on the bottom of this box. And they chose to not say the full titles of stuff, which is very strange, which I find very strange, but at least they said the state of California, which is nice. At any rate, they didn't actually list what's, what's in there, what, what the heck causes birth defects. It's like, it's literally, I think this is 304 stainless steel. Like it's, cra- it's like food grade, crazy good stainless steel. But I'm going to say that's not true because I'm not seeing it on the box. And boy, is that a selling point. Maybe that is actually on the Amazon page. So you're getting more information out of Amazon. So, so eating certain foods is going to be a part of what I do end up talking about. Because honestly speaking, if you went from, from your slovenly awful out of shape self, okay, okay, (laughs) let me, let me restate that. I have a damage wrecked atrophied body that I want to fix. I have a previous version of myself from years ago that made notes while I was highly interested and around some ludicrously world class experts on a lot of, and it's very, but it's on the physical side of stuff, right? So I've got all that kind of in me, but a lot of notes. But I can't go from wh- where I am now, what I'm like, my morale, my lifestyle into, into the literally special forces level stuff that I know. I can't, that's not a thing. Now, some, some people will go from everyday schmuck on the street to six weeks of boot camp. But uh, right. that's, that's, you shouldn't do that. Before you go into the army, please get yourself into really good shape. Like, that's the one bit of advice that I have heard from actual military people. It's like, the, what's the thing you regret about getting into the military? It's like, well, I was out of shape when I got in. I should have been in incredibly good shape going in cuz life was hell, absolute hell because of that. Now, I as a civilian, as a regular person, I could kind of crash from here into physicality into ridiculous physicality and knowing what I know and having the psychology, I could push into it. And I kind of did that when I was first exploring that. That's one of the things that impressed People about me, not because I was any good, but because I would literally run. Like we had the the calisthenics, the, the warm up to get into stuff, and I would just be so dead I couldn't actually walk anymore, and I had to go have a lie down and pant. And it's like I would, I, in embarrassment, I would walk to the other to like the office and just kind of like lie there because I'd be dead. And then I would get get my butt back up and I would go back out there, and I. The thing is, so there's this, 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 this thing in gyms, it goes like, goes like so there's this fat guy working out and, uh, somebody makes fun of him like (laughs) fatty. And the rest of the gym will just turn on that person. Like of all the people that belong there, that's the guy that belongs there, right? It's the same thing. If, if you're in the uh, healthy environment with healthy people. And you're the loser that goes in and sucks, but you're there, but you're there. They all respect you for that. And it's not like you have to fight their opinion of you. It's you're fighting your own opinion of yourself. A lot of people, you go to a place, you have to stop giving up and just do it. The people around you actually really appreciate the fact that you're starting somewhere probably way lower than they started right so it was the same thing with me going in and, and getting some calisthenics at that point and this was like not quite 20 years ago um and and so I, but i did that nobody would comment right? nobody would comment because you don't do that and that's rude and the guy that owned the gym didn't wasn't like that and all this kind of stuff it's this is one of the advantages of having small if you if you go to like a class or something and that's how you do your kind of workouts um one of the advantages of having a small group is that stuff can be enforced properly if it's in a big crowd you might get one snicker and that's too much that should never happen not even once so i was talking about you could i could crash from nothing into godlike expertise I could do that uh and i would suffer and it would be awful and would be bad but i don't have to do that like most people out there when they want to go from from zero to a hundred you don't have to skip steps you can go and if you understand if you do it gently it ends up being your experience of self-improvement ends up the 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 path from where you are to where you want to be, the path itself becomes a pleasant part of your experience of living life. Right? You don't want to go from here to where you want and have everywhere between here and there be hard. You don't want your life to be hard and think of life as only rewarding when you succeed because half the time you won't succeed and half the time, what you succeed at isn't what you think, or it happens so far down the, down the line that it doesn't make up for what you had to go through to get there. And a lot of people that they don't understand what they want in life and they pursue things because other people do. Other people they love do, for example. Other people they respect, they admire, do certain things, so they do it because they don't know what else to do in life. Um, if the path is no is not fun, is not healthy in some way, the goal may not be worth it at all. If you don't know what you want, you get something that that's not going to make up for anything. So while I could go from zero to a hundred, more I know more than most for that. Um, there's another plan which I can carry other people through, which goes through things like sleeping and morale and scheduling and. I will soon enough go into food choices and timing and diet and um and et- etc et before I even get into physicality because you know how to okay most people don't know how to do a push-up. Like you've seen it, maybe you've done it, you're probably doing it wrong. And it isn't necessarily that it's worthless. To do it wrong. But if you were to learn to do it right, if you were to see it, if you were to try it, if you were to be shown it, it's it's a much better experience to do it. It's a much more effective way to do it. Right. And a lot of people don't do push-ups right, they don't do sit-ups right, they don't do squats right. Squats is something I'm never going to be able to do right unless I get surgery. Um, because I uh, I have ankles of iron. I i can't actually uh sprain an ankle and i can put my full body weight uh, with full force on my foot on an angle it, it will not do anything the the there is no flexibility in the the structures of my ankles now this means that i can i can run i have that flexibility i can mostly climb upstairs but it tends to be more on my tiptoes than anything but I can't do a squat cuz I don't have the flexibility there and I've had some professionals look at stuff and try to give me advice and some of it is my not doing things in certain ways so there's a there's a pursuit of physiotherapy cuz I've got a physiotherapist I got actually, he 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 owns a physiotherapy clinic And so I went to him and I, I got some advice and and he tried a bunch of stuff on me and I'm a really weird case. And so I got some like professional, they're, they're terrible, but they're, they're professional videos demonstrating very specific moves. But they're terrible because, you know, nobody knows what they're doing. So I had him show me stuff and I got a bunch, but I can't do squats, right? So that I have that excuse, but I understand, really deeply understand a whole lot of other stuff. I went to a gym, and if you got access to something like a YMCA, um, this, this will have all kinds of programs and stuff, but they often have an actual gym with weights and stuff like that. Um, hopefully free weights, but lots and lots of machines. And I went to one, and they had this deal on – It was, I did, never did it because it was so embarrassing. But it's, it's like this circuit of machines, and your goal is there was music playing, And your goal was you had X amount of time on a machine, you you would perform its very specialized actions, and then you would move on to the next machine. And every once in a while, like there was this cardio break that you would do, and you would like do this jumping up and down on stairs, little thing, like waving your hands around that stuff. It's probably got a name, but I don't know, because like a lot of guys, I only think of exercise in terms of weights, not in terms of cardio. Which is kind of a problem. Cycling isn't really cardio in the same way as doing certain other stuff is cardio. You need to have variety. I know there are a lot of cycle bunnies that are doing that. And that's better than nothing. But, but anyhow, this track was like that. And I tried all these different machines. We had time. We didn't have to like do the full embarrassing thing. And I tried a bunch of the machines. And I only found one machine that did something that I couldn't do with just body weight. That I didn't already deeply understand. So I've got all that knowledge and stuff. And most people uh, can be shown a lot of that stuff, but there are requirements going in from, from knowing nothing, being unhealthy. There are requirements that make the path going from zero to 100 much more satisfying, let's say, because the incremental improvements end up being highly rewarding when they're done. Right. So, for example, if you want to eat right, one of the problems is timing your eating, timing your food. Most people think of dieting as okay, well, I have to only eat this many calories. Okay, fair enough. It's not exactly true, but fair enough. But a lot of people pursue things that way. But one of the things that you can do incredibly easily is only eat when you're hungry. Like, how many many people have actually been hungry? Like, when's the last time you remember being hungry at all? Most people, like, you wouldn't want to be. You've actually arranged your life so you have access to food. And you may not even wait to be hungry. You're just shoveling it in. If you're overweight, that's probably true, right? That's probably what did it in the first place. That's probably what maintains it. But how do you not do that? Most people end up breaking things by having only certain food, by measuring, measuring by weight, calculating calories, this kind of stuff. But one of the tricks you can do without doing any of that nonsense. I mean, it's not nonsense, but without doing any of those other things. One of the things you could do pretty easily is um brushing your teeth. Brush your teeth within 5 minutes of beginning to eat, which might be a challenge. So Maybe that's not appropriate for dinner, but certainly for something snackish. If it's something you can wolf down, stop enjoying what you eat, right? Stop enjoying eating. Eat fast. Get done. Enjoy what happens to you in your body, in your life experience once you've eaten. Eat. Be done quick. Brush your teeth right away. Get rid of the the rotting material in your mouth. A lot of people will have a mouthfeel, a taste, an oil, whatever in their mouth for a half an hour. Who knows? And it's some pretty subtle stuff. And there's some leftover smells and this kind of stuff. Get rid of all of that. You know how to brush your teeth. Just do it. Okay. This is not the challenge of flossing, which is something I've got a problem with, but brush your teeth. That's where you start. Do that for forever, for the rest of your life. And after a little bit of time, when that's second nature, mouthwash. Now, the thing about mouthwash is you cannot drink after mouthwash. You shouldn't for a good hour, right? And so what these things do is there's an inconvenience in having to eat fast and brush your teeth. So I've talked about the effects, but if you need to brush your teeth after every meal, you can't eat out anymore. You shouldn't eat out anymore. The crap that you're eating out. It's it's garbage. It's garbage because you don't control it at all. And even if you go to a restaurant and it's quote unquote you know middle end, like it's a it's it's a hot meal. It's not fast food. Even if you go to one of those places, the food they're giving you is is only slightly better than garbage. Like the stuff that you make that you see previous segment regarding becoming a morning lark and making your own lunch. Do that have your own lunch keep a toothbrush toothpaste with you at work actually like literally break them out and brush your teeth in the bathroom at work if somebody looks at you sideways just i mean i mean that that is the one you would be in the right to give them the finger because absolutely you should be taking care of something as simple as your smile absolutely you should be and if anybody wants to shame you for something like that By looking at you sideways you like you're the one with nice breath you're the one with a nice smile they're not they should be guilting themselves as soon as they look at you funny they'll go i never even thought of doing that myself well why isn't everybody doing that what a weird thing to go out for lunch and come back with smelly breath just like having a shower please brush your teeth. Please don't subject your your co-workers with this nearly halitosis level breath. Like, okay. And so if you care about um, controlling when you eat and what you eat, brushing your teeth restricts the five minutes thing, restricts the the pleasure of eating. I didn't know it's a little bit... um, I don't it's so it's going to be my perspective because I'm doing this for me from my past notes and I'm actually rather um what would the term be (sighs) Marcus Aurelius was an example of one of these philosophers the obscure stuff that I know oh man I'm just gonna (laughs) Marcus do I even spell his name correctly first try yes what is he known for stoicism that's it so i have just a touch of it's it's more like asceticism so an ascetic is like the the uh it's kind of like the eschewing the abandonment of a lot of the pleasures in life so i i am skewed that way in thinking about the pleasure of eating um So the five minutes brushing your teeth thing is probably not for everyone, but certainly brush your teeth after every meal that restricts whether or not you can eat out. Don't carry a toothbrush and toothpaste on you as an excuse to go eat out. If you're going to go and eat out with friends, do do that. If you've got, I mean, women complain about not having pockets, but honestly, like, it's not like a man can carry around a toothbrush. So if, if you're, if you're a woman, carry around a, Like, I, hey, more smiling women, I like. There's the joke about a man asking a woman to smile. That's not a thing. Maybe it's your culture or something dumb like that. It's not a thing in Canada. But but honestly, if you happen to be armed with a really nice smile, you pro- if you're a woman, you probably want to do that. If you're a guy, maybe you can find some pocket space for a little travel toothbrush if you're going out with friends to eat, which is the only time you should be going out to eat. You shouldn't be, you, I had this thought in my head for many, many years. I would rather starve than eat at McDonald's. Now it totally became untrue because I ended up going up to lunch regularly with a girl. So yeah, I'm not saying she was unhealthy for me, but I would eat at McDonald's for a woman like that. Um, that, that's a really awkward statement for me to say. So I have a bit of asceticism with eating quickly. am not necessarily recommending that, but brushing your teeth is going to be an important restriction. And that will force a kind of timing. So you're not eating multiple times during the day necessarily. You're carrying what you have to eat. So maybe you're cooking it, or maybe you're just making a sandwich or something. Maybe you've got little snacks and stuff like that, but you're not going out. You avoid the fast food. Please, now you'd be surprised. You know, the other day I went to McDonald's. Okay, so forget what I was saying earlier because that doesn't necessarily apply to my current self. Past self did the old, I'd rather starve. But I did go to McDonald's to experience McDonald's. I've gone to McDonald's, I think, three times in the last 10 years. So, like, I wouldn't consider that impressive or anything because, I mean, it's McDonald's. But I've gone to other fast food places anyhow. I went to McDonald's and um, they've got one of these like touch operated um, ordering menu things. It's an absolutely awful interface. So i poking around it and it's actually listing the calories for everything. And it basically admitted to me that there was nothing that I could eat because it was all high calorie, therefore garbage. So it's usually higher calorie not because of the obvious contents so it's not it's not the calories because of the carbs in the bread on the buns. It's the calories because of the sugar in it right it's the it's not the calories because of the beef, the quote unquote real genuine artificial 100 percent beef brand patty. It's not because of that that has the calories it's because of the fats or the oils that are in the ground beef mix it's that stuff, and when you look at a burger and it's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calories, like it's just crazy. You know it's not good for you. And I did a I did a full meal, and it had more than two thousand calories. And two thousand calories is enough for an admittedly smaller than me adult, right? So maybe well now is a little bit different, but maybe maybe I do what would be a solid diet for me, like twenty two hundred, twenty four hundred maybe something like that, that I'd, I'd be, I'd probably stay where I am with somewhere around that. If I wanted to lose weight, a lot of people would be like, well, you need to eat 1200 calories a day for six years. And and maybe that's true. And that would help me shed. But caloric intake isn't the only way to lose inches, let's say to lose fat, fat content. And I'll talk about that in the future because. I also know a dietitian, So I've had some of these conversations and I've listened to experts on uh, fat and energy and all this kind of stuff because I've been interested in this. So past self has a lot of notes on this stuff that I'll probably get into in the future. And so there's a zero to 100 that's a more relaxing, more regularly fulfilling, experience. And that's a better way to live your life for anything. So I wouldn't crash into a fitness program. I'm gonna gently enjoy the modification of my life with what happens to be the advice of a of a clone of myself, my past self, which already thought about this stuff. It's like a message in the bottle from my past. It's quite an amazing experience to go through my previous notes. And hopefully as I continue, I'll actually um, more of it will come back to me, which, which hopefully happens. Like I'm getting old, so I've experienced a whole lot of stuff and I've never stopped, never stopped learning. And that means I'm I'm getting full and I'm starting to lose stuff. Stuff that's 30 years old, probably not in my head anymore. Maybe reading old notes will help bring it back, but it's not going to bring it all back. I have to face the fact that I'm pretty much getting full. And I recognize that from a long time ago. Maybe it's my brain. Maybe you're different. We never really talk about our experiences in life. Like, how do you see? My hearing is different from most, most people. My vision is a little bit funny compared to most people. That is because of mechanical reasons that I could talk about at a future point. Now. The the experience of memory is absolutely not something that people know how to talk about, because most people haven't even paid attention to their own. I have, so I've got a lot, of, a lot, a lot of stuff. um And going through my notes might bring up a lot of it. Um, it might not. I might have to go and re-explore this stuff. I might have to like. I I could get a hold of one of the guys that I knew. Back in the olden days, he's actually made his own um, fitness program stuff. So, I mean, a lot of these guys have written a book and stuff like this and made instructional videos and all this kind of fun stuff. So I could go back and I could get all that material from the guy or I could just get a hold of the guy. And, you know, if you've fallen out of touch with somebody who's an expert at something and you get back in touch, don't expect to get stuff for free. This this if that friend has gone on to do stuff professionally, like please stop. It's there's a there's an expression this New Yorker I knew had. It's called a please bro, and the please bro would come up to you and he'd be he'd be your bestest friend for that particular moment. And it could be somebody that that you know you love in the familiar sense, like is a good friend, but but it comes to you and he's like please bro, can you help me with this? And the please bro. You have the expertise to help, but you don't necessarily have the time. And you've got an order of priorities for customers who come in. And the customers who come in, they get queued in the order they arrive in. And you're going to get those entitled people that are like, but I'm really important. You should do my stuff faster because reason, right? So, So if you own a business, you have to be kind of a hard ass about that stuff. But you get a please bro that comes in and they're very much the same. They expect that they get the friend benefit, which is they get the friend's discount and they get put at the front of the list, right? They expect you to work outside of your office hours. This kind of stuff happens. So I, and that's wrong. If you want to run a successful business, you have to be able to say no and even be rude because, I mean, of all the people you can be rude to, a friend, you should be able to be rude to. (laughs) <laughs> a customer ha- that there are un- unknowable consequences, you know you have a successful business when you're able to fire a customer. That's one of the things that, that the feeling of firing a customer is the best ever, the best ever. When, when, you, when there are no consequences that are so great that you, you would hesitate when there's no ripple of them, oh, fa- Facebooking or fake uh, reviews or going out into, or it echoing out into your industry, you know, you, you becoming a name that's, that's like that from all your peers in the industry. When you, when you can so stand behind some kind of integrity, that you can fire a customer, because you were in the right and you just have like, just get out of my store, whatever. When you can do that, that is the best ever. Man, that is the best ever. Uh, not everybody can run a business and and that the personality to fire a customer isn't isn't in everybody. It ought to be if you run your own business, if you don't have that kind of personality, you better get it or you're not going to succeed as a business. You're going to get stepped on. You're going to get outcompeted, et cetera. There's a reason why a lot of business owners end up having a kind of personality. That's what succeeds in life for businesses. Other personalities succeed in other places. Um, some, sometimes because they're natural born followers, which is kind of a problem. But, you know, that's, that's somebody else's self-improvement program, not mine. Okay, so that was a bit more derailing than I wanted it to. So I was talking about um, if I were to go to this old acquaintance or an old friend to get a please bro bit of advice, you know, please bro, can you help me with this like workout program that I was it's like, please bros are just regular customers, please bros do not get friend discounts, please bros don't get at the head of the line, no exception. No exception, because it's like it's a feeding a wild animal kind of thing, right? It's, it'll just be more later. it will be more later and it'll be recommended like that later and this kind of stuff. You, you give a certain kind of person rope and they'll just keep pulling on it. You know, you, you give an inch, they take a mile, right? That, it's an American expression because of the units of measurement, but it makes sense. And this is true with please bros. So I wouldn't go to somebody that now has a, a professional program that has a, a gymnasium that they own and operate that has started their own stuff with their name on it that has their own DVDs. I wouldn't go and ask for advice. I would go. I might say hello, and then I'd be like, hey, "A long time no see." And then I just buy all their stuff from their store. I might not even tell them. I might I'd do that up front, and then I get a hold of them and say, "Hey." Long time no see. I bought a bunch of your DVDs. You great work. And I might, I might follow that up with, but you didn't talk about X. Now, are you planning on making a video on X? Or, and, and you would have an in for asking for some of the inside information because maybe they made a video on a YouTube channel, right? Maybe there's a, another DVD that's in the works or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can follow up. The the please, bro, ends up being an informational thing, ends up being you know, f- friendly banter, friendly conversation, rather than asking for a discount on DVDs or something like that. Hey, a long time no see. I want to catch up. But you got a lot of DVDs. Do you have any bundle deals? <laughs> like, please, bro. It, no, just no. Don't Don't do that to somebody else. Um, and I do love talking about business, obviously. Um, the experience of, of interacting with other people is a strange one. And if you haven't been on that other side, the production side, the the business side of things, it is really hard, um, to understand certain things. So for example. Um, it, if, if you want to get really good something, if you want to get really good technical support, customer service, service of any sort, and you, if you have experienced that side of the fence, if you've been, um, like, what's the term, like a barista, a waiter, if you've been something like that you understand so when you're on the other side of the, the the fence and you come in with friends for like a birthday party or something like that and you come in with friends you know how things operate and you know how how things operate at other places at a deep psychological level so you know how to act you know how to respect servers because you've been in that position You know how things operate. You know why the server is acting in certain ways. You know you can say certain things. And you can actually get vastly superior service without needing to play the, oh, hey, I was one of you cards, or without trying to please bro stuff, or whatever weird equivalent would be, without trying to to play it. And the same is true if you've done like phone support or if you've done any kind of like, if you were a telemarketer, for example, if you were a telemarketer for a little while and somebody calls you up now, maybe that was your childhood, maybe that was 10 years ago, right? Your youth. And a telemarketer calls you up now. So for, first off, in Canada, um, I can actually make it illegal for somebody to, for a telemarketer to call me, because I put myself on a, uh, on a do not call list, which is actually um, it is enforced. It, it is criminal for somebody to call me to sell me something. Because they have to go and refer to this list to see if I'm blacklisted, which I am. And I have to re-register every once in a while. And it's really easy to do this. And if anybody wants to hit me up here in Canada, or if you if you want to prevent Canadians from crank calling you or whatever, like telemarketing, you can do that. And I also know the forms to complain when somebody calls, which I have to do. And I have a note to to go on a rant about that, which I don't think I'll have time. But uh, if you've been in telemarketing, you become empathic toward people that would call you. Like right? You understand how to, that they're reading off a script. You understand that thir- certain things have to be said. So you can, for example, um, if you were to call your cable company because something is wrong, because your, your internet speed is no good. And... And you you understand, for example, you're talking to uh, a salesperson first, and then you need to to gently nudge through that until you get transferred to somebody in technical support. And technical support, maybe from your experience, you already know that there are tiers, and the person that you're speaking with is deeply embedded in and is required to use scripts. So you have to let them speak to say the nonsense and then you have to respond in certain ways that play against their script. So you don't try to dismiss something that they're saying. you, you say, "Well oh, uh, I tried that and I also tried this. So you're trying to maybe hop one of the bits of scripting to get fit, get things moving. I'm trying to save them time and you may want to do that so that they can get so they can transfer you to tier two support. and you want to help them um pushing through so that they can because there's this uh, ratio of successes to time spent and you want to help that person because you've been there and you know that if you do that and you push and make yourself easy to talk to that they get rewarded for it that they'll like it that maybe they'll 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 actually quietly please bro you through to somebody better (laughs) stuff like that happens because you know you could do that kind of thing so when you have one side of the fence relatively mastered, um, you can get better things out of that similar situation elsewhere in life. <clears throat> so if, if, if you've run a business, you tend to understand more about how businesses work, how certain situations work. If you've been in sales, same thing. You know, so if you've had a small business, you've, you've had every single hat at the same time. If you if it started with one person, that person had to be able to do everything. That's how it works. Um, there's very few businesses where you only have to wear one hat. Um, it tends to be like if you are um, like a fix it guy that that hands out leaflets or something like that. But t- even then it's like you have to be able to sell your services, you have to know how to manufacture your pamphlets. You have there's a lot of hats. And if you've been in a small business, which I don't recommend for everyone because most of them fail, and most of them fail and they're kind of surprising when they fail, and uh, they fail hard, which means they take a lot of, they leave a lot of debt and a trail of problems behind. But a person who's run a business has a whole lot of weird skills under their head and can negotiate the rest of the world a little bit easier because they've done a lot of that stuff. And this is one of the ways that a, an older person, an older person who's worked a lot of different jobs. This is one of the ways that kind of person has a, an easier life, a better life. They're maybe a little bit more wise because if a person has gone through a whole lot of different jobs and they've been, in different fields they've been doing if they've had different perspectives they're now empowered with a whole lot of of different perspectives to um to draw on when they're interacting with everybody in those industries those positions or anything that's that's related so you get somebody who's like 40 years old they've done all the kinds of terrible work that a a zero work experience 20 year old has done. They've done that kind of stuff already a long time ago, and they remember it and they remember it's, that it's sucking. So if they're interacting with some 20 year old where that's their, that's their first job out of college or whatever, they understand how to treat that person right, to not stress them out, to get the, the best out of that person out of that employee. And the experience of uh, interacting with that company or with that person or with that, whatever, that tier of support, the experience is way easier. And that's one of the reasons why people who are older find greater success. It isn't some sort of like, there isn't the cabal of people that are all old, who are all helping one another. Well, there could be but it's that people who are older have experienced more stuff in life and are able to negotiate more comfortably through problems and through that, the natural barriers of, of the awful kinds of positions, not the people, but the positions that they have to deal with, like dealing with a barista. Well, it's, a, it's an actual thing. If you've been a barista, you can get better service quicker service not because you're gaming the system per se but you have the empathy and understanding to actually work with that person Um, at any rate so so there I think the the point that I wanted to make was the because there is an opportunity to ease into a sort of pseudo self-improvement thing I don't have to go straight from me to workouts to get physically fit. I can start a very long, a very gentle walk from the perspective of something as strange as sleeping right into something that would, I don't know that I'll ever get to something that would, um, would wreck a Marine or something like that. I could probably go there. I'd have to learn a little bit more on my way out there. That's probably never going to be me cuz I have no life lifestyle that demands that. But but I'll I'll be okay. You know, I'll be I'll be above average. I think that's my goal in life for basically everything I pursue is to be just just above average so I can pay attention to some of the interesting, awkward, um theoretical experimental stuff. And, and follow along. If I can do that, then, then that's really highly interesting. And in most endeavors, if I'm vaguely interested in something, and I don't even have to find the time, right? Um, all the stuff that I'm interested in competes so heavily that I end up butterflying between stuff that interests me constantly constantly full of stuff and I have to pull myself away to do something as basic as playing a video game to unwind and so i'll i'll push and then i'll gain a kind of you know the the kind of fake expertise somebody sitting around on the internet gets so it's not real like i have no illusion i love learning just enough so that i can pay attention to experts bantering with experts and and follow along well enough, be it be it everything from business to psychology to whatever the heck. And if it's not something I have direct experience with, but I pay attention for long enough, i kind of I'll clue in. I'll clue in well enough. And it's that's a wonderful way of doing things. So I might not um, get further than where I've been in the past, um, but I'll I'll eventually learn or relearn, rediscover, remember everything that i've done in the past well enough that you know when i when i'm into when i'm into things when i'm interested i'll be able to f- to follow along with the more cutting edge stuff just to be interesting and i think i will convey a lot of that stuff cuz there's going to be plenty of people who surpass whatever i can't even give it advice i can't even call it advice so there's going to be plenty of people who might listen to this from the future hello from hello from the past to the future I, I hope i didn't embarrass myself too much over these many many years of like episode what is it like episode nine or whatever this is um so uh, i'm i will probably talk about the more theoretical stuff that i vaguely understand but beyond my ability kind of talk about the stuff then interested in pursuing later. Um, So that was, this was kind of a duplicate of segment two, uh, because I had nothing else really to talk about. Um, I will mention very briefly before we end. uh, In Canada, we do have a way to complain about telemarketing calls and do pursue that. It's an official government web form. It's pretty straightforward. It's got a few simple forms to fill out and You do get results immediately. Like they do blacklisting stuff like that. It might be they inform your phone company and the phone company does the thing you probably should have, which is it just blacklists the phone number. Um, And it works for me. However, I do keep getting uh, obnoxious phone calls with like pre-recorded messages in Chinese specifically. And I think that's because I've done business and still do business with companies through AliExpress which is uh, like a gateway to a whole lot of different uh, micro businesses in China. So you can get a lot of stuff cheap that way. but it's a lot of stuff and it's cheap. It's like Walmart quality sometimes, right? So know what you're doing but strangely a lot of stuff is perfectly adequate quality, sometimes knockoff brand um, and you're just you're you're bypassing all the stores and getting it But uh, the sacrifice is while you're saving money, you're you're spending time. So it's like three months to get stuff. So know what you're doing. That's AliExpress.com, which does not support this channel, this uh, podcast, this show, this whatever. So anyhow, we're done. And we're going to take a couple of days. We'll be back on Sunday at 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern Time. I'll see you then.